Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. And today, I have a very special guest. Now, for those of you who are on the video, you can see Katie Allen here. I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce your name right, Katie, um, especially your surname, I mean. Allen, is it Allen? Yeah, it's Allen. You got it right. Yeah. And she has a very, very special guest on the launch. Uh, but today, she's coming to interview me. <laughs> We thought we'd turn the tables and have a bit of fun so that you understand where I come from, why I've created this podcast, and why I am on a mission. Over to you, Katie. <laughs> I love that we're doing this. Thank you so much for inviting me on to be your interviewer. I am I'm very honored. You could have asked anybody, and you asked me, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, and I'm just really excited to hear more about you in your own words. I think in, in all of the work that you do and on this podcast, you talk about yourself and your business and your stories in little bits and pieces. But today we get to really get to the good stuff. The juicy <laughs> stuff. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I'm game. <laughs> I'm super so, nervous, which is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. It is, it is interesting because when you are an interviewer, you're not nervous, are you? You're actually very, quite confident. Yeah, mm. and when I'm interviewed on other people's podcasts, I'm fine too. So why am I nervous on my own podcast? This Do is I make you nervous? I'll definitely dive Do into this with them. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. So, Anj, why don't you just start? I mean, in case there's somebody listening or watching this who doesn't know you, doesn't know your work, hasn't listened to the podcast before, why don't you just start by telling us about you and, you know, what your business is all about? Okay. So, well, if I talk about my business, I'm going to talk about the people I serve because my business is a business um, that's service-based uh, in, in the deepest sense of the meaning, not just, you know, I'm going to offer my services. <laughs> I'm really here to serve my clients and <clears throat> I'm completely in love with my clients. It's just, it's just a love story, uh, which probably is not a very usual thing to say, although I know a lot of heart-centered, soul-driven entrepreneurs do say that. Um, and my ideal client, the women I serve are entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs. And when I say female, I wanna be all-inclusive here. It's important. I am ramping up my inclusivity and my diversity in my business, not just because it's a, a buck to tick. Um, it's because I've been on a journey of, this is interesting. I didn't think I was going to talk about that. Okay. This week, <laughs> I created a new page for my passion project, which is called Positive White Privilege, right? Mm. Because I know I was born... Um, white and privileged 
And my journey has been an interesting journey where, first of all, I was always interested in people who were not from my white privileged background. So even as a little kid, you know, like in primary school, there was, and we had some, um, some non-white children who came to the school, even though it was a private school. And I remember being seven and, and wanting to be friends with this little, little Vietnamese boy who had just joined the, the, the house, I was gonna say. The school, he didn't speak a word of French at that point. And I just wanted to make sure he was okay, you know, take him under my wing. That's, that's what I've done with everyone, probably because I was always isolated and I was always the misfit within that white privilege group. So that's a long story for, <laughs> to just to introduce my clients, but it's a super important part of my business, this, this inclusion, this diversity, this, and I, I will hold my head up and say, I know very little, but I'm willing to learn. So that's where I am. Um, so female entrepreneurs of all walks of lives, um, but they have one thing in common. They suffer from imposter syndrome. They are constantly doubting themselves and they need to lean into their own wisdom. And I love to help them do that through their intuition because their intuition is spot on. But they've been belittled because of it or they've been ridiculed. It happened to me as well. So, of course, very, very often our ideal client is our younger self, right? Yes. And so when I was, um, I started um, my career, I suppose, by going to university, which is why, you know, I'm saying white privilege here, hand up. Uh, but I studied something that I was not passionate about. Because what I was passionate about, I was told would never get the bills paid. And I was a very compliant, um, I would say conformist, but I did it so badly I just couldn't, I just couldn't fit <laughs> I couldn't fit in the square peg but I tried so hard but anyway so I did something that was the reasonable thing I studied law and languages I was um, it was an unusual choice because um, I was actually a math head when I was when I was a kid in school and um, but I had caught the traveling bug when I was nine years old and that's this whole story in itself. And I just couldn't get enough of it. I couldn't get enough of learning from people who were different from me. Whereas most of my peers were not a slightest interested in anyone who was different from them. All they wanted was people who did the same thing, thought the same thoughts and that sort of stuff, right? So I'm just gonna mention very, very briefly how I caught that traveling bug. I was nine years old. And my parents decided to send me to Spain to learn Spanish. I learned Spanish before I learned English. So that's kind of a fun fact. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> um, and of course, at that point, I didn't speak any Spanish because in France, languages are only learned from 12 or 13 onwards. So it was an adventure. And I, you know, I was a really shy kid with really thick glasses that had been bullied for as long as she was alive and not just in school. Um, by my peers, by the friends of the family, and by my mum. So it was like this really, <laughs> and yet when my mum took me to the airport, it was an adventure that I just embraced with my entire body. And I, I almost forgot to say goodbye to her. And she was very, very hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and, and it never left me. Once I was in Spain, I just loved every bit of it. I was in this family that had seven kids. Um, they were quite well off. 
Um, the mum was adore really loving and, and just gorgeous. And, and her elder daughter was my age and that was the exchange that was made. So she would have come, um, she came to France after that um, as an exchange, which was cool, really cool. Yeah. And I learned so much from that trip. Um, of course, I learned Spanish to start with, which was good, although a bit scary. But luckily the, the mum I stayed in the family spoke French. Mm. So, you know, just in case I was out of my depth, she was there to kind of fish me out. <laughs> <laughs> But she didn't have to do it too much because at that age, you just, you're just a sponge. You observe, you learn, you listen. You're such a good listener as a kid, whereas we lose that a bit when we grow up, right? And I want to mention this one thing because it ties back into the diversity piece. During that trip, I got to meet um, a friend of their family, a girl my age, nine years old, who was born without arms. Like she had little hands attached to her shoulders because there was a scandal in Spain at that time. I think it was mm -hmm. the Talimud, Talim, Talimudid or whatever. I can't pronounce um, med's names. Is, is, it, uh, is it the thalidomide? Is that what you're thinking? Something like that, yeah. So that during pregnancy, women were given this, this medicine and it had some disastrous effects on their babies. So uh, we went to visit her. She's a friend of the family. Everybody adored her. And when I walked into the room where she was, she was like the sun in the room. She was like the sunshine. I had never met a kid so happy, so loving, so loved. And it made me question why I was so sad when I was abled, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just fell in love with this girl. Um, and, and we just chatted and we had a great time. And I... I admired her so much because she could babysit. She babysat kids with her feet. She could do everything with her feet. Wow. And so I started to learn to write with my feet because I wanted to be like her. I really wanted to be like her. Yeah. She was my, my heroine. She was my heroine, honestly. Yeah. And I was thinking deep inside, if I could be that for someone else, oh my God, that would be so amazing. So... And, and I had an aunt who was disabled as well, and I loved her to bits. She was just so, she's a sunshine as well. She's called Daisy, one of the equivalent in French. So, um, but she, she really shown that thing through, even though she had a, a very difficult life. So, so that's my desire, yeah, to be there. And, and, and I don't know, I feel like awkward. I feel like um, I'm not equipped to be that inclusive and diverse, but that's, that's in my heart, let's say that way. So I'm willing yeah. to learn what I need to learn to, be, to create a safe space, not only in my free group, but also in, in the sessions I do with my clients. Yeah, but I think you just said it right there. I think that's the most important is that you're willing to learn. Yeah, like, and like nobody, yeah, nobody knows everything. It, you, that's not a prerequisite. You don't have to be perfect, but you have to be willing to show up to learn, to listen, and to participate and get yeah. it wrong sometimes in order to learn the lesson. And then there was another, another thing I want to mention that I've never mentioned anywhere, I think, since I've been in business. And that happened when I was in my 20s. My, my sister was friends with a, um, how, do you, how would you say that? I don't want to use the wrong words. Um, well, I want to say blind, but I don't know if it's a, it's a word that is okay to use do you know what I mean like I feel really silly here anyway it, vi visually impaired that's is that what it. you mean that's the word I was looking for 
right. And he organized in Paris, because that's where I lived back then, an exhibition for people who were not visibly impaired to experience his world. It was called um, Dark Noir. Pronounced the French way. <laughs> <laughs> and I went there with my sister. Mm -hmm. It was just amazing. It was such an eye-opener, pun not intended, about what the lives of blind people are. And it made me aware of all the things that um, people who can see do because they don't understand how bad it is for people who are blind. Like mm. living the bins in the wrong place, parking your car on the curb, um, leaving your dog poo on the pavement. That sort of stuff is lethal for a blind person. Right. And so, but what I loved about it is that if I, it was an adventure. I was for two hours, a blind person and I was experiencing and I was being able to walk in their shoes. So it started off by, it was really well, it was done in, um, in a basement. So you would come in and they would put, um, it was all dark. There was no light at all in there. So you'd leave all your stuff at the entrance. They had some like lockers and something and you were just given, um, a white cane so the first place you had to find where to go um, so you had to use your ears to see where the sound came from and everything and there were several exhibits and I can't remember if I I don't know if I'll remember all of them but so much of it is still vivid in my mind so the if, if I remember right the first one was an exhibition an art exhibition and so you had to find the pieces and you had to maybe touch them and and experience sculpture in a different way with your hands rather than your eyes. Oh my God, that was just amazing. I'm a very sensual person. So that was, that was a really well, you know, it was, it was phenomenal, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, then we had, there was like a mock-up of a street that we had to cross. And that was also phenomenal because we had to lean into all the other senses rather than our sight. So, yeah, really good. And then the last part was the best, okay? The last part was there was a cafe and we had to go and order a drink then go and sit at our tables and we were served by blind, um, blind waiters. Wow. And that was just the best. I was like, oh my goodness. And, and just, I, I was thinking to myself, okay, this is a one-off exhibition. We should have these exhibitions everywhere in the world for all the disabilities, all the um, hidden and not hidden so that we could walk in people's shoes. Yeah. Now, luckily we have our imagination, but if we don't listen to the people who have these challenges, um, whether they be because of their skin color, because of their gender, because of their religion, because of everything, then we'll never know because we'll make big fat, big fat assumptions that everybody is on the same path as we are right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that about you that that that's so unique there's lots of people in the world who talk about business there's not a lot of people in the world who talk about business coming from that place of inclusivity and intuition and sensuality and that I just it's such a different perspective it's really beautiful and and this um this friend of my sister offered me, 
gosh, I don't even know why he gifted me this. I, I nearly cried when he gave it to me. He offered me a, a vase for flowers. And it was all about, he, he, he chose it with the tactile, with the touch. And I still have it today. It's this amazing thing where when you put your hands on it, there's, there's so much, um, what do you call that? Um, it's not structure I'm looking for. Well, anyway, you get, you get the idea. Like it's a tactile experience. Texture. Texture. That was the thing I was looking for. Yeah. 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 So, you know, this, this really helped me to see people who have challenges as superheroes rather than people who are lesser than us. Mm -hmm. because, and, and I could never see um, disabled people the same way again. And when I hear people feel sorry for them, I get angry, actually. I get really passionate. And I'm like, these people have so much to teach you and me and everyone else. They should be welcomed and celebrated. And yeah, that's, that's my stance on it now. And because I have yeah. a, a, like a look into the bigger picture, I really have a feeling that they have come for a big purpose. Mm. And some of them might have forgotten that and have actually tipped into the, you know, victim, poor me kind of thing. And that's, that's normal. It's such a challenge. When you have a really, really big challenge, there's always a risk that is going to be so hard for you that you won't be able to step up. But who's to judge, you know? It's, it's not in our realm, but I admire the ones that are, and, and I don't want to kind of glaze over the difficulty. Even if you have a big purpose, it can be super, super hard. And also yeah. hard for, for parents because it's, and I know that because I have kids with special needs that you have to let go of the perfect child, which is such a toxic concept anyway. So it's actually a gift. But not everyone understands that again, you know? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But that's why we have that's why we have these conversations. That's why we need to talk about it. And in, in other places, you and I have spoken about your about your children and about you as a mom and about, you know, having children with special needs. And the, I mean, I think that's probably more than the scope of this of this yeah. interview that we can do. Like that's a whole Possibly. separate piece. But yeah. but but it it like it, it's even just me speaking with you in that one-on-one -on -one capacity, talking about your children, I learned so much that like, and you know, your kids are here for something and because they are maybe quote unquote different in a certain way or not what, you know, maybe what you'd expect because they do have special needs, but they are teaching you so many different lessons. Oh, and, absolutely. you know, yeah. and can I say this, because this is needs to be said on this podcast, they taught me everything that was important in life. And they taught me everything about intuition. Right. Yeah. I was looking for a guru. I was looking for a teacher, a mentor in intuition. I didn't know my kids were here for that. But when I saw that, it started with my first one. He's an adult now. And I hope I'm not going to embarrass him because he's completely walked away from all that because of his education, which was another big, big lesson for me. And that's why I home educate my younger two, not just for that, but because of bullying, all that, but also because I experienced how my elder two, who were totally magical, intuitive, creative, everything, and they're still magical, don't get me wrong, but the intuition was literally pulled out of them, like strand by strand until there was nothing left. 
Well, yeah. almost nothing. It's always there deep, 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 deep inside. But I could see that the same thing had happened to me. So my elder son could, um, and he's autistic, um, has also ADAD, the dreamy type of ADHD. He used to be able to talk to trees, animals, um, spirit, um, pebbles. Uh, I want to share a story. When we went to um, a beautiful park, that's called Bowood, which is ne next to where I live in the southwest of England. And we were walking and I was chatting with him and we always like to chat about all things magical together. He was a big fan of Harry Potter and he looked like Harry Potter too. Apart from the scar, he had the green eyes, the messy dark hair, and he was a bit quirky. He had glasses too, all that sort of stuff. So it was like, I knew he had something different. Um, I need to say, because we've talked about Harry Potter, that I have been utterly disappointed by J.K. Rowling, who is a transphobe. And I don't want this conversation to think that I'm going to promote her in any way. OK, so this is the little caveat. But I know that her books have given a lot of um, children who are different hope and, and help to, to cope with what the current society is so she doesn't know that she's actually gifted a lot of people to people she didn't really want to give to <laughs> that's the irony maybe maybe we'll leave it at that <laughs> and we we're walking in that park and um my husband and the other kids were a bit further down and i said um so are you okay he says yeah and he says mom that tree over there is really upset i was like what like this is a park with ancient trees, right? That everybody, like, it's gorgeous. It's just an amazing park, right? Uh, with a folly and a, and a sort of mansion and a play park as well for the kids. It's just gorgeous, magnificent. I said, really? I'd never heard anyone talk about a sad tree. And he said, yeah, um, someone drove their car into, into it, uh, the tree and damaged it and it, it's been in pain ever since and but what the thing that hurt it the most was that the person really didn't care and I was like floored hmm. and then he went on to say most of the trees in this park are not happy only the young ones and I was like <laughs> this is deep <laughs> Then he went on to talk about the pebbles on the path because it was like, you know, one of those paths where they put, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's called pebbles or gravel, gravel. And he says, mm -hmm. all right. And the gravel's not really pleased of everyone walking on it, but they preferred when they were under the ground. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God. No. So he gets so much information from his surroundings that we are completely oblivious of. And so I think from that moment on, I really listened to my kids carefully. And I know that most parents would just discard it as, you know, wild imagination. I know I was told that I had a wild imagination. I was told off all the time for making things up. It was very often because I could see through adults and they were embarrassed. So they kind of squashed me down because they didn't want me to see through them. And I was determined I wasn't, I wasn't going to do that to my children. That was it. A lot more than that, but that was that was the baseline, and um, and yeah, he he went on to teach me so many things. Even when he was a teen, and he was no longer interested in mummy's fluffy stuff, um, 
I was kind of cooking in the in the kitchen and he's come back from school and he walked through the front door and I very rarely sing and I was singing a song I don't know why I was just singing a song and when he walked in he said mom I've had this song in my head all the way back from school and I was like, <laughs> I'm not saying anything because of course he didn't believe in intuition or all that stuff anymore <laughs> but we have this connection we have this connection and it's the same with every single one of my kids and they've deepened and taught me more and more and more about what intuition is, what intuition isn't. And in a way they've taught my intuition in a way that um, is outside the box from people who teach intuition because um, there's a lot of myths and things that are bandied around that are not necessarily true for everyone. Let's put it this way. There's a sort of my way or the highway, or there's a way that has been taught for many, many years within the intuition circles. Like, you know, my, my tagline is that you don't have to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine to be intuitive. I stand by it. There's a lot of, um, how would you say that? Unnecessary myths around intuition and also I want to say we are absolutely all intuitive from birth yeah that's a given and and it was given to us for a reason it was to protect us it's that instinct that you know that when we are just about to get out of the cave uh we know there's a there's a lion out there or we know that there's a, a bear even though we don't have the proof yet and we run for our lives and we stay alive whereas the people who said don't be silly. We haven't seen a wolf or a, or a lion or whatever in, in decades. It's, there's nothing there. It's your imagination. Well, they were dead and you are alive. Right. Good job. Do, do, <laughs> I'm curious. Do you think that there is a difference between intuition and instinct or are they the same thing? I think intuition... Um, is, is a, a general term that has different grades. And okay. instinct is um, for people who are um, um, aware of the chakra system, but I know a lot of people won't. It's the survival instinct. So, and, and it's often called like that. So it's more like on the base chakra. So it's the basic needs. Or if you know about the Maslow pyramid, <coughs> it's the first level. Right. That's to keep right. you safe. And then you can work through the Maslow pyramid and, and have all the shades of intuition until you get to the top, which connects you to spirituality, guides, whatever you want to call it, your higher self. And all right. of them are valid. There's yeah. no, and, and what you want is to have a solid base so that you build your entire um, pyramid the right way. So it's solid, mm-hmm. rounded, and yeah. 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 So let's talk about that. Let's talk about how you got into this work because you, obviously this is a personal passion, but lots of people have passions and they don't make it their yeah. livelihood. You well, know, it wasn't a passion to start with. I will tell you that much because I never thought I was intuitive. So why would I have a passion about intuition? <laughs> but I was interested in past lives, reincarnation. And oh, it looks like you froze. Yes, I'm here. Okay. So um, it's funny how when I said the word reincarnation, something happened. Um, I, I suppose I was a deep thinker as a kid, and I was actually into astronomy, and I would spend hours watching the stars and wondering who we were, where we came from, 
the meaning of life, that sort of thing. And it's kind of funny because as a kid who was really good at maths and not very good at anything else, I was actually um, top of my class in um, philosophy, which didn't make sense to me at all. <laughs> philosophy <laughs> is the equivalent of religion in, in, the, in the French <clears throat> because um, we have separated religion and the state. So okay. you're not allowed to teach about religion in schools, but instead you talk about ideas, you know, and philosophy and, and all of that. Okay. And I had, um, I had not very good results at the baccalaureate, I need to say, although I worked very hard to get to a good level. But the one topic where I completely exploded my grades and I had a grade that people don't even get normally is philosophy. So I don't know if it's the stars or something else. And I was always, because I'm quite, I'm an introvert and I observe a lot and I listen and I like to connect dots. Um, where was I going with that? Um, yeah, it's, it's like this reincarnation thing really, really fascinated me. And, and I'm Catholic, so I don't even know how I came across it the first time. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> but um but that's that's the angle i came into intuition through spirituality okay and and i separated the two for a very very long time just as you said it's like i was split and i got into um let's say doing professional tarot readings because first i was helped by psychic mediums through very difficult situations in my life. And I would have never gone myself spontaneously to one. It's actually a friend of mine that I met in the UK when I was doing a gap year who dragged me to one. And I was so scared that the guy was gonna say I was gonna die. <clears throat> and he didn't. <laughs> Instead, <laughs> he said I was gonna get married to my boyfriend. <laughs> and he said, I hope you wanna marry him because you will. And it ended up being a very bad marriage. <laughs> But I didn't get the message. It was so subtle. It was good. Very good. Right. Yeah. So when things started to get a bit difficult with my husband, I went back to see um, a psychic medium back in France. And she helped me so much. She had this deep spirituality that I never thought psychics would have. Well, I didn't know much about psychics anyway. And I had heard so much, you know, of, you know, in the media and everything, you know, even like I was watching Merlin with, my kids, the first episode, and the, the, the woman who's the witch, she, she's awful and scary and everything. Thankfully, Merlin's better, but you know, there's that stigma around people who um, use their intuition or are psychic. And I don't like the word psychic for that reason. And I don't like to use it, even though I was told that I was, which doesn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense to me. I might get yeah. into that or not, but I don't know. So I got through this through spirituality. So I was reading books about lives between lives and trying to understand. And it helped me to understand why I had chosen my parents and my sister and my brother. Because without that, it didn't make sense. Right? Right. With my sister at 15, I don't think I had read any of the books, but I remember, we, I remember us having a big argument. And I said to her, look, we chose each other. Let's try and get on with it. Right? And where did that come from? I have no idea. No idea at all. But further on the line, when I trained in as a Reiki master, my Reiki master told me that in a past life, I was actually the head of a, a Buddhist monastery. Hmm. And it, it kind of made sense in the craziest of ways that at 15, without knowing anything about Buddhism, I told my sister, we chose each other. Let's get on with it. You know, you yeah. have crumbs. You're given crumbs by your soul. 
remembrance, stuff like that. And every single one of my kids have remembered their past lives when they were around three to four years old. And they taught me so much with that. It was just wow. phenomenal. I'm mm. not going to share here because it's going to be too long and, and too windy. You know, we're getting away from the subject. So I kind of grew that trust and in, in psychics. So when I came after I moved to the UK, left my husband, took my two kids under five with me. After a couple of years, I kind of yearned to have another reading just for the sake of it, because it mm -hmm. kind of comforting. And when you're a single mom and, you know, life doesn't is a bit of a struggle. It's kind of have that comforting feel. And again, I'm not going to go too much into it, but they told basically that I was a healer and that didn't sit with me. I just didn't get it. I was a lawyer. I wasn't a healer. You know, that just mm -hmm. didn't compute. But uh, from then on, I was fascinated about psychics. I want to understand how they work. So I went to as many readings as possible, even though all the psychics always said, only go for one reading every other year. Otherwise, you get you know, attached to it and, and you shouldn't give power over someone else or whatever. All that crap that people say, you know, myths, um, beliefs. Uh, <laughs> these are just beliefs. They're not truth. And so I went to every occasion I had to go and see a psychic. And I, I call that my PhD in intuition right? <laughs> Studying psychics. And yeah. I was fascinated, fascinated. And I was lucky to come across really, really good ones, genuine ones that really helped me on my journey. But every single one of them said to me, you should be doing what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but when I'm nudged long enough after, you know, six, seven, eight of them, I'm like, okay, I give in. Okay. So I found a, a local um, psychic medium who trained people in tarot over, over a weekend. And I just went there out of curiosity, not having any desire to do anything with it. I'm just like, okay, yeah. you know, I have an open mind. And I'm a very experimental girl, which is maybe ties in with the fact, you know, I was a math head and I have quite a scientific approach to things. doesn't sound like it anymore, but it, I do. Yeah. <laughs> if it works, I'll keep doing it. If it doesn't work, I'm not doing it. <laughs> and do you know how people go to these, these um, workshops and usually go with a friend? So at one point we had to practice what we'd learned and she paired all of us up. I was on my own. So I was paired up with the teacher. Mm. I, yeah, I nearly, I know, my, my stomach churned, honestly, I was so scared. Uh, but I did it anyway, because I was there, you know, there's no escape. I, I, I wasn't brave enough to walk out of the room. I wasn't. So I did it. Yeah. And she said, you're spot on. And I was like, okay, <laughs> what do I do with this? <laughs> And it's a little bit like with all the other gifts that I've been given that I didn't know I had. I always reflect and say, if I have this gift, I'm supposed to use it. Mm -hmm. So in the days that followed, um, I was by then had made friends with a few psychics, uh, which was fun. They were nice psychics. And um, they said there was this mind, body, spirit fair, quite a popular one next to where I lived. And I said, well, I'm going to give it a try. And my friend said, no, there's no chance you can get in there. The lady's a dragon. <laughs> She has her heads. <laughs> um, my Reiki master, who is also a psychic, said, I've tried so many times, never got in. No. You know, they were yeah. trying to protect me. And on a yeah. Friday, 
just the Friday before the, the fair was always on a Saturday on the Friday before the fair, I felt compelled to call her at five to five. Like random. And yeah. I just did because I just like, okay, I'm going to call her now. Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. She had just hung up with someone who had to cancel a table for health reasons. And that was it. That was me going into this scared to death. Yeah. But this, the universe like made it happen for me. And I stayed in that fair for 10 years and I had regular clients and I had really, really interesting experience where I learned a lot about intuition and tarot and, and all sorts of things. It was very, very educational. Mm. But it was almost like I was split in two. You know, I was, I was ashamed towards the people who knew me as a lawyer who were still lawyers for some of them, my friends, because I had kind of branched out into this crazy stuff that they couldn't relate to and I couldn't relate to them anymore. But I didn't fit in my new world because I was a lawyer and I was ashamed of having been a lawyer. And, and there's one point where I had to just pull it together. And luckily a mentor walked into my life and said, look, you've got to come out of the closet. It's just not feasible otherwise. And there, there were some big issues around me doing that because um, I had some mental health issues. And I was going to say mental health challenges due to having been abused as a child. And so mm-hmm. I was very afraid that by coming out, I was making myself more vulnerable to maybe people, um, you know, even taking my kids away from me, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it took a lot of mentoring and a lot of, courage to pluck it out you know people think oh coming out as intuitive is hard but imagine what it'd be like if you've had some mental health challenges it's more difficult right yeah um but i'm glad i did and so my business actually only took off properly in the summer 2018 when i came out and i i offered my first business akashic record session and they were literally snatched off yeah and that became my specialty. And I read a book about, a couple of years before, I read a book about Akashic Records. I'm looking this way because I'm looking to see my book on the shelves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and out of curiosity, because I'm an avid reader, I'm a book nerd. Like I, I read and read and read. Books have always been my friends because it's, it was so hard for me to make other friends. So. <laughs> and I love learning. I'm like a long, lifelong learner. And when I read the book, I was like, actually, this is what I'm doing. Because in the 10 years I was doing tarot readings, I became more and more uncomfortable with with that, the work I was doing. Because people came to literally give me their lives, asking me questions so that I could give them the answers. And I knew they had the answers in them. And I knew as well that whatever answer I would give at one point would only be true for as long as they did what they did. But I believe then in the law of, of attraction and, and manifesting your life. So I knew that if I helped them to change their beliefs, and I had trained as a clinical hypnotherapist by then because I was kicked out of the corporate world, let's put it that way. I was no longer <laughs> a match to it. So I was spit out by, by the business world. Uh, and so people came, who came to me actually needed much more than a reading. They needed mindset work and they needed healing work. And so I I started attracting all these people who had much deeper issues and who were willing to open their eyes to the fact that if they changed their thoughts and their emotions, and if they did healing on themselves, then their future would change and that they could create the future that they wanted. Mm -hmm. So when I read this book about Akashic Records, I was like, 
that's it. That's what I've always done. I'm not a tarot reader. I'm a business Akashic Records. And I, I could have said Akashic Records to start with, but I've met so many of them who were totally out there, ungrounded, completely. It's like they would give you a reading about your soul at such a level that you can actually relate it to your life and, and your incarnation as this, you know, as Katie and Ange today. So yes. I, I think I realized at that point that the fact I was a lawyer and that I was very grounded and very experimental and had this almost scientific, I don't want to say scientific because I know there's much more to it, but approach to things um, made me offer something unique um, yeah. that would be useful in the business world. And, and the reason I got this vision to go back into the business world, which really scared me at first, is because I finally decided to invest in my intuition in that mentor that helped me to come out of my shell as, a, as a, an intuitive. She called me a psychic. I wanted to use the word intuitive. And I stick to it now. <laughs> it was her thing. She's here to put the word psychic and, and make it a positive thing. And I, I admire her for that. It's not my journey. My journey is, is more gentle, I suppose. Yes. And so I invested nearly $10,000 in her program to take my psychic skills to the level that they're reliable in business. She calls herself the psychic business, um, whatever, business psychic, the other way around. This is the French name, French in me, putting things the wrong way around. Yeah. <laughs> I still do that sometimes. And, um, <laughs> and after investing that sum of money, which was super scary because I didn't have it either. For the first time in my life, I used a credit card. And of course, I didn't ask anyone for advice on whether it was the right thing because everybody would have said no. But my intuition was saying, this is the right thing. Yeah. And literally after paying, I went into the shower and I had a download as some people call it, or a vision, or I just saw, and I don't see normally, so that was unusual. And I saw with my within me, I knew it was a knowing, and we won't get into that because at one point I'll discuss, you know, how intuition can come to us and how it's different for everyone. But I do want to mention this a little bit because I am not clairvoyant and I'm not clairaudient, and I believe that's the reason why I'm so well fitted to teach business people that because most people in business are not clairvoyant or clairaudient. So they need someone who can relate to them and teach them how to use that and how to navigate that and how to trust it, which is much harder when you don't see and you don't hear. Much, much, much right. harder. Can, can you just, if there's somebody listening who might not know what clairvoyant or clairaudient is, can you yeah. just give us a, a very quick yeah. definition? So clairaudience uh, are people who hear messages like as an inner voice or sometimes even as an outer voice. And clairvoyant are people who see images and they can even see spirit, but that's more rare. They can literally see someone sitting next to them or at the, at the foot of their bed or whatever, wherever it is, or they see them when they walk around in train stations and stuff, they see the invisible people in the, and the real one. Well, the real, that's debatable, but you know what I mean? Yes. So a, a bit like in the sixth sense, that little kid, you know, who was, who could see, he was clairvoyant and, um, I, I love that that film, although I don't like the, the, the gory bits. But so um, I had this vision or this feeling that there was a limousine coming to pick me up and take me into some headquarters right after I invested all that sum of money into um, Psychic Business Academy. And I was like, oh, my God. And I was like, I have no idea how this is going to happen. But I trusted the vision, even though I thought, mm, I'm a bit crazy. I, don't, I really don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> And then shortly, um, 
a little bit before that, my main business guides knocked on the door and say, I want to come and work with you. And that was another thing that was a little bit hard to swallow. And I'll get into that at some point as well, because he's a very, very famous businessman who I hear on almost all the business podcasts I listen to, his name comes up at least once, right? And I used to absolutely loathe people who were name dropping in the psychic world, like, or in the reincarnation. You say, I was Cleopatra. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so here I was faced with the fact that I had a very, 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 very famous business guide. And I didn't want to be like these girls who claimed to be uh, all men um, in, in the psychic world. So I had to work quite a bit on that. Um, but I had this vision and then it started happening like um, a year and a half later, uh, I suddenly came across a training that enabled me to go back on LinkedIn, which I, I had always hated. But suddenly I knew I was supposed to go there and I knew that was the start of my journey to get back into the business world with all the gifts that I gathered in those 15 years of, I would say, meandering in a world, an unknown, the world of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So, but I just want to be clear. So you don't normally have visions. So that was a very unique experience, right? Being in the shower and sort of seeing that limousine. So how does your intuition normally come to you with your experience yeah. with it? Normally it's just a knowing. You ask me a question, I'll answer it. I have no idea where it came from and how I know this. <laughs> and sometimes it's very scary. It's taken me ages to have the courage to speak what I'm supposed to speak because where did I get this from? I don't know. I can't tell you. Right. And is that just a practice of trusting it? Is it having yeah. faith in yourself? Like, yeah, which is very hard when you have an imposter syndrome. So yes. that's been my battle. I've been battling. Even when I had clients come back from my tarot readings, I had a man, I don't want to share that with you because um, it was an interesting experience. And I think after that, We'll probably need to wrap up a little bit or make sure that the important questions that we wanted to cover <laughs> on set, mm -hmm. I don't know if mm -hmm. there is one. But um, so this man was sent by his wife to have a card reading with me. And he was obviously not that interested and thought it was complete BS. I'm going to keep, you know, the podcast clean. Yep. Uh, and I do the reading for him and I see that he's got some problems at work because his boss is a woman and he's got issues around that. And that if he changes his attitude, things would go a lot smoother and this and this and that. And he had his little boy next to him who was listening to all that. And he, he paid me. I always at that time, I always said, only pay me if you're happy with the reading. So I never thought that he was not happy with the reading because he paid me. Right. Left. Two years later, he sits in front of me and I recognize him because of his boy. He was a bit older, but I could still see the boy and the man. So he kind of clipped. Yeah. And he said, um, I owe you an apology. I was like, why? I don't know you. <laughs> I didn't say that, yeah. but that's what I feel. He said, I came yeah. to you two years ago. And when I left, I thought everything you said was utter rubbish, but you were right 100%. So I've come to apologize. And now my wife wants me to have um, Reiki healing with you. Would you forgive me and give me a session? <laughs> I said, of course. <laughs> How beautiful. And I, I've had like, I, ca I can't count the amount of time I've had confirmation and people come back to me 
again and again and again. And I still, I still have that imposter syndrome around that because I don't see and I don't hear. Yeah. And I've just learned to live with it. And I had actually someone that really helped me this week about that saying that actually your imposter syndrome is a beautiful thing because you're ambitious and it, it fuels your ambition. So to be the better person, always, always, always. Yeah. And, that, and it does. So I'm, I'm now going to see her as a friend yeah. on this journey. So I don't become complacent or I don't start, you know, coming off the rail and doing something that's not, not right. Because I consider my clients, um, you know, when, when you are intuitive or psychic, you have a huge responsibility with what you say. And it was almost paralyzing me to start with because I thought, you know, these people are in vulnerable position or they're going through something really difficult. What if I say the wrong thing and, and really mess things up for them? And that's why I, I much preferred to be a healer than a, an intuitive, but I was kind of pushed. And, and maybe because I was a healer, because I had that, that rounded thing where I don't just come from, uh, I see what I see and I'm just going to tell you. I actually trained in counseling skills. I, you know, I have clinical hypnotherapy background. Um, if I had the time, I'd probably finish a counseling degree because that's something that's always fascinated me. And that's what I wanted to be as a kid. I wanted to be a counselor. Yeah. Um, so it's really important. You have that responsibility. You have to have an ethical practice. I've come across so many people, especially untrained psychics, but also in trained psychics who will give you information when it's not appropriate or tell you things that you shouldn't be hearing just because they got it. So they just give it. Right. A bit like people who give their opinion when they're not asked. No, not in my world. <laughs> and I will never read anyone unless they book a session and ask me. And yeah. I have made only a handful exceptions on that. Not even, you know, five, five times. So um, for me, that's, that's paramount. It comes with a high code of ethics. Um, and, and one aspect is that I'm here to empower people. And that's why I much prefer to teach people how to use their intuition rather than give them a piece of advice. Although I'm aware, because it was very, very helpful for me to begin with, that when you're at that early stage, when you're like a toddler, you know, you're trying your intuitive legs and you keep on falling and you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and we've all been there and I'm, I'm still there to a certain extent. Um, then you need that mentor. You need that person to hold your hand. And sometimes you need that person to make you help you make the right decisions because you care so much about doing the right thing. Yeah. And that's yeah. commendable. And that should yeah should be supported for sure mm. and, and it's scary like what would you say to someone who and I find this question funny because it's kind of me so I'm kind of asking you for selfish reasons as well but <laughs> I'm happy to give that if I can what but like what would you say to someone who is really curious about intuition but they have a lot of fear around it maybe they're afraid to start using their intuition specifically in their business what what would yeah. you have to say about that so two things you know how in business they say success is 50% uh, strategy 50% mindset in business mm -hmm. it's the same with intuition intuition right. is 50% practice 50% mindset so i would grab that journal and you know work through all the fears and I would say, choose a mentor with your intuition. Be very, very careful because it's a jungle out there. I promise you. 
there are people who don't have and because they because they know how to use energy they're more dangerous than other people if that makes any sense right if they mm-hmm. if they come with the the wrong agenda then yeah and I don't, I don't mean this to scare you even more i'm just saying just use your intuition because your intuition will know it's in your body you'll have that bad feeling in your stomach or after speaking yeah. to that person you'll feel yucky just trust that right? yeah don't be an lp'd just trust your body yeah that's key right there. Don't be NLP because there are practices in the world that are literally designed to make our brains yeah. like over, override our intuition. That's what yeah, NLP absolutely. That, absolutely. That's what NLP does. Like, I don't yeah. think anybody would really argue that. that that's what it does. But um, mm. yeah, it's not necessarily helpful. No, I think that's, I think that's great advice. So, yeah. and then I, w- I had another, uh, another thing I wanted to say, but I forgot. Oh, yes, yes, yes. No, I'm creating a quiz to actually answer that question, which is, is your intuition strong enough to make decisions in business? And then it will give you what you can do to make it stronger and some suggestions. So there'll be three levels. There'll be three levels. Yeah. Um, Like the toddler, the teenage, and maybe the midlife intuitive <laughs> well i am a toddler so i look forward to the i quiz. love toddlers i love every age I, this is another thing i'm just going to squeeze that one in ageism is a really big for me and it started with me um fighting my grandmother who was ageist towards my children and everyone who was younger than her yeah. but it works also the other way yeah so yeah. that's a it big sure thing does. as well yeah it sure does. Okay, Ange, I am just mindful of time. So yes. um, please tell us where can people find you? Where can they get more of this amazing work that you do? Where can they sort of start to access all of your goodness? Thank you. <laughs> so I think um, the best way is to join my group, which is called Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And if you're not a female entrepreneur and you think, um, what about me? There's this podcast, which is, you know, I think you're going to find a lot of goodness. Uh, feel free to share it with your other male counterparts. Um, and I have also a newsletter, but I'm going to say if you, yeah, the newsletter would be for, for our male community. And then the group is for our female community. So I'll share both in the show notes. Yeah. Beautiful. Right. Thank you. And is there... Anything else? I feel like we've talked about so much of your personal life, of your business, about, you know, the, your incredible history and your philosophy and the values that you live by and you work by. Is there anything else that you feel compelled to add? Is your intuition telling you to add anything else before we wrap up? I would say we are all afraid of our intuition because it tells us things we don't want to hear or because it takes us out of our comfort zone. And I want to say, the more uncomfortable you are about your intuition, the more you should follow it. The more difficult it is to follow, the more you should and get help to do that. And maybe go to someone who can confirm that nudge. Yeah, yeah? someone you can trust. Is yeah. that, be, that would be the first step for me. And I, do, I still do that, even though I have a PhD in intuition, when there's, I have an intuition about something and 
I want to make sure I got it right because it's very tricky to make the difference between the ego and your intuition. And the ego is super clever at masking, masquerading as your intuition, right? Mm -hmm. The higher your IQ, the more it's going to do it like in a really, really, really clever ways. So it's tricky. Right. So just bounce it back with someone else who knows how to do these things and who will help you to confirm that your intuition is right. Go for it. And this is exactly what happened to me to tie back to my, the beginning of my story. I knew moving to the UK would be something amazing for me, but I had two children under five and I was leaving my entire support system. So I went to the, to the psychic that had helped me so much and she said, go for it. You will be happy. Um, this is this is this is for you, and she was right. She was right. Oh. So don't be afraid to ask for that little bit of help. Asking for help is paramount on your journey to intuition because it's it starts as a small seed seed in the pot, and it's invisible and it's deep down. And in order for it to grow properly, it needs to be watered and have some sun. and And that's what a mentor can do for you. Yeah. Especially when the whole of society more. is sending bliss, bliss, you know, wind and cold and all sorts of things <laughs> on that poor, poor, poor little sibling, trying to freeze it out of you because that makes you dangerous because you're mm -hmm. going to see through people and see through things. And yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's I what I would say. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for interviewing me today, Casey. It's I really been my pleasure. And I also want to thank all our listeners if they've finished the, the podcast because it's been quite long and I'm sorry it was that long. Maybe I'll cut it into, I don't know. I really don't know. We'll see. It was beautiful. It was perfect. I think you said exactly what needed to be said. Thank yeah. you. Thank I you. I appreciate. I really do. So I will see you next week for our Q&A. So I really want to make sure that everybody who's listened to the episodes and who has questions about anything that we discussed, whether it's the guests, whether it's the trainings, whether anything else, head over to my page, um, which I don't even remember what it's called. I think it's Intuitive Revolution in Business, something like that. <laughs> I'll have to put the links in the show notes again. Um, and, and there's a post specifically for questions. Please head over there and ask me the questions so that our next episode can be as exciting as possible. Um, it's not going to be the next one. It's going to be the one after, but I really want people to, to head over and ask me their questions. I love questions. That's when I can like interact with you. So please do. And Beautiful. yeah, I'll see you next week. Actually, I don't want to say something silly because I don't remember what I'm doing next week. I have a cycle for the podcast. So it's a guest, sorry, no teaching guest. So we're at the guest book. I'm doing a book review of one of my favorite books called the corporate the corporate mystic by gay Hendricks. now gay Hendricks is known by everyone in business for having written the big leap nobody knows about his secret book the corporate mystics it's amazing and you're going to hear more about it in the next episode bye for now thank you for listening to another episode of the business intuition podcast if you like this episode make sure you subscribe Give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook on the four steps 
to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.